0: tell you what, they have been preaching a message this morning. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Oh man, it's so good uh, to see all of this take place because this is what Camp Rock is all about. What you saw up here is what we've been trying to inspire and equip kids to do all week, to use their creative abilities for the glory of God. And I believe that God was glorified here this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because they've been preaching a message to you. And they, and they did what they've been equipped to do. And we're so, we're so grateful for all the effort that they've put in this week. Um, and, and so because they've been the preachers this morning, I'm under no delusion here that I'm going to get up here and say something that you're actually going to remember. I know that you're going to remember them, and I know that what I say is just going to sort of repeat what they had to say. Shoot, I'm probably not even going to remember anything that I said after I go home and uh, take my annual post-Camp Rock collapse, I mean nap, (laughs) this afternoon. I know some of our volunteers are looking forward to that as well. But I know that you are going to remember your kid who is up here, up on stage, singing, dancing. Being a clown, maybe that became very natural for some of your children, but uh, you'll remember the videos that they shot. And that's why they're the most effective preachers this morning. And I just want to ask you again, did you hear their message? They were teaching us about something. They were teaching us how to be fearless. They were teaching us about the theme of Camp Rock this week. And when we talk about fearless, when we talk about being fearless, we're not necessarily saying that there's no fear at all ever in our lives. But we are saying that what we're doing and what God's Word enables us to do is to become more fearless as we put our faith in Him. So I know in a room uh, filled with this many people that there are probably a lot of fears represented. Maybe every single person in this room has some fear going on in your life, whether you'd like to admit it or not. And so, so this week, as I was kind of getting ready for what we're doing here this morning, I, I looked up, uh, I did some research, and I found this website called fearof.net. And I think it'll be up on the screen for you, fearof.net. And it talks about all of these phobias that people have, and I found uh, that there are a lot of fears that... that uh, people have. And ombrophobia is one of them. Ombrophobia is the fear of rain. So if you have ombrophobia, I feel so bad for you for this past week, right? Like this was a tough week for you for those who are ombrophobiacs. How about chadophobia, the fear of hair? I see some of you who aren't afraid at all. Or maybe you were really afraid and you had to take it all off, right? How about globophobia, the fear of cotton balls? I don't understand that one. Omphalophobia, the fear of belly buttons. <laughs> These guys like that one. So if you have that fear, just don't look down, right? And then trypophobia, the fear of holes. Some people are afraid of holes, I guess. Especially if you're driving around on some of the streets. Be tough. You know, some of these fears are funny, but some fears are not so funny, right? Maybe you experience these more commonly. Maybe you maybe you're afraid of failing. Maybe you're afraid of being alone. You know, maybe there's someone in this room today who's afraid of getting caught. Maybe you're afraid of what others think of you or conflict or, or some people are afraid of change. Whatever it is, whatever it is in your life that you're afraid of, you know that that fear motivates you to sometimes make some pretty bad decisions, right? But what we learned this week is that God's Word has some help for us when it comes to this idea of fear. The, Bi- the Bible gives a lot of advice to us. It gives us some tools and it shows us some examples of people who are able to overcome our fears. And as you saw in the video, Anna Beasley was our teacher. Guys, did she do a great job teaching us this week? She sure did. So she talked to us about a number of examples of people in the Bible who were able to overcome their fears. And so we're going to look at those this morning. We just want to let you parents in on what we talked about this week uh, at Camp Rock. And on Monday night, Anna talked about David and God's glory. And if you have sermon notes, you can pull those out. Um, David and God's glory is the first point uh, that I want to cover here today. And uh, talking about God's glory, David was passionate for God's glory. And because he had such a passion for God's glory, it made him fearless. It made him fearless. You see, when you're passionate for something, your level of passion outweighs the fears and risks that accompany that passion. And we see uh, this passion played out in David's life in, in no better Uh, part of his story than in his battle with Goliath. Everybody's familiar with the the story of David and Goliath, pretty much, Um, that's a pretty common story from the Bible. And so I just wanna take a look at that really briefly because you see very clearly here how David's fear is totally put to the side whenever he encounters this giant. In 1 Samuel 17, 36, uh, David is speaking to King Saul about Goliath, who is taunting the army of Israel. And and the thing that makes him really upset is that he has defied the armies of the living God, David says. David is like, I can't believe somebody would actually speak against the army of my God. And then he goes on later and he's speaking with Goliath. Goliath and him have an exchange uh, before he slings the stone at Goliath, and he says to him, Goliath, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Now, here's little David speaking to nine-foot Goliath. David was too small even to wear the armor that King Saul wanted to put on him. But why does he say that Goliath is going to be delivered into the hands of David. Well, verse 47 says, so that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hand. Reminds me of that uh, song that the dance track danced to where it says the battle belongs to the Lord, right? It also reminds me of that video track video did you see up there at the end where they, put, where they put the definition of the word fearless? It's bold or brave, and then there's a word after that called intrepid, and I had no idea what the word intrepid meant until I looked up Synonyms. synonyms. Here's the synonyms of intrepid, unafraid, undaunted, unflinching, unshrinking, bold, daring, gallant, audacious, gutsy gutty, spunky. These are things that describe David. Why, why was David intrepid? Because he was passionate for the glory of God. He took personal offense at Goliath speaking against his God. He took personal offense at somebody saying that God is anything less than amazing, awesome, glorious, and holy you know what this does for me? Convicts me. It convicts me because sometimes I'm afraid to speak about my faith. Are you? Does that happen sometimes for you? It happens for me, and and David's example helps me to say, you know what? When God is on my side, I don't have to be afraid of anything. I can be intrepid when I'm sharing my faith, but I have to grow in my passion for God's glory in order for that to happen. And how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, that's what we talked about on Tuesday night when Anna spoke about King Josiah and God's Word, King Josiah and God's Word. That's the next point in your outline. The, re- the way that we grow in our passion for God's glory is by learning His Word. That's one of the best ways. When we revere God's Word, the more we respect and honor God's Word, the less our fears are going to hold us back from doing what is right. So let me give you a little background on Josiah. Um, He was a king after King David, after the nation had divided. So, the northern was Israel, the southern was Judah. Uh, Josiah became king of Judah when he was eight years old. Eight years old, the whole weight of the nation rested upon his shoulders, and before Josiah's reign, and actually for about 18 years into his reign, nobody knew anything about the Word of God. It had been lost. The book of the law and the covenant had been lost. So Josiah sends some people to the temple to repair it, and during the repairs, they find this book of the covenant, and they bring it back to the king, and, and they read it to him. And he, uh, he has a strong reaction to the reading of this word in Second Kings twenty-two eleven it says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Why did he tear his clothes? He tore his clothes because he knew that he and the people of his nation were not following the words of this book. They were not doing what God had commanded for them to do generations earlier, and he knew they were in trouble. But look how he responds to it. He responds to it so well. Second Kings 23, he says, he gathers all of the people. Everybody comes uh, from every stage of life, every, every class of life, every caste. And, and he gather the, gathers them all at the temple. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And then he makes a covenant or a commitment to do everything that the Bible says And he does this with all his heart and all his soul. And all of the people who were there joined in the covenant with him. Now, King Josiah knew that this was going to mean vast reforms in Judah because nobody had been doing these things. He knew that he was going to have to tear down the, the, te- the idols and, um, and he was going to have to cast out the priests of the false God. And this was going to cause some disturbance. But you know what? Because of Josiah's reverence for God and reverence for his word, it cast out the fear of the consequences that were going to come because of what they needed to do to obey God's word. It reminds me of of the skit that we watched this morning, The, the Haunted Hunt, and, and something that one of the characters says, he says that, he said that even when things seem scary, once you know the truth, you don't need to be scared at all. Once we know the truth, friends, we don't need to be scared at all. Because the more we learn God's Word, the more we, the more we learn things like this, Deuteronomy one eight, He will not leave you or forsake you. Romans 8, 28, for those who love God, all things work together for good. Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And Isaiah 43, 1, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. You see, God calls us, as Isaiah 43 43 says, not only to redeem us, but He also calls us to serve Him, and that was what we learned on Wednesday night when Anna talked to us about Mary and God's call. Mary and God's call. See, Mary was, go- was called by God to serve in an unbelievable way, right? You guys all know about Mary, Jesus' mom, Mary and Joseph, right, the Christmas story. We're, we're pretty familiar with her. Mary was called to serve God in this special way. And when God calls you and you trust Him and His wisdom and His sovereign plan and accept His rule in your life, your fear subsides. So how did this work in Mary's life? How did this work in Mary's life? Well, Luke 1.30, an angel comes to her and says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Well, she's probably thinking like, how's that going to work? To be God's mom? I'm kind of scared right now. But the angel had said to her, greetings, O favored one, in verse 28, the Lord is with you. And what a comforting word that must have been to Mary to know that God was with her and was going to be with her in this act of service that she was going to provide. See Mary believed that God was with her just like the rock track sang this morning, just like the rock track said, I believe you're with me now so I can be fearless. But it's not, just her, it's not just knowing that God is with her, but she had to know who God was and who he, what He had done in the past that would give her comfort to go through this time. And, and we see uh, that Mary sings this song of praise that displays her knowledge of who God is and what He has done. She sings in, in Luke 1, uh, starting at verse 46, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who has mighty has done great things for me, and holy is, her name, is his name. And, he goes, and she goes on and on to declare the works of the Lord that he has done for his people in Israel and who he is. He has shown strength with his arm. She goes on to describe who God is and what he's done. And because of that, because of her knowledge of these things, this is how Mary can say, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You see, when God calls us to serve him, He doesn't just say, all right, go ahead, go do do the thing that I'm calling you to do and then report back later and let me know how it went. He says, no, come on, let's do this together. I'm with you. When he calls us to go and make disciples in Matthew 28, what does he say at the very end? He He says, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Friends, as we go and make disciples, God is with us. Does that not comfort you? Does that not push the fear out of your life knowing that the sovereign, holy, all-powerful creator of the universe is right beside you to do with you what He has called you to do? We don't need to be afraid when we know God, who God is, and what He's done, and that He's with us. There's another drama that's going to come in the second service where one of the characters says, I guess there's nothing to be afraid of when you actually see and get to know someone. We can see Him in His Word. We can get to know God in His Word, in prayer, by fellowshipping with His people. And not only does God go with you when He calls you to serve Him, but He also actually gives you gifts. He empowers you to carry out the things that He has asked you to do. And we learned about that on Thursday night when we talked about Timothy and God's work. Timothy and God's work. You see, Timothy was called not just to work, but he was also gifted to be able to do that work. He knew that he had these gifts, and that, was enab- that enabled him to overcome his fears when he was planting churches in very hostile circumstances. You know, Timothy had reason to fear. If you can think back, uh, Timothy was, was um, in a church that Paul had begun and Paul came to visit that church and, he, and Timothy was spoken well of by the people in that church as a very young man. And Paul said, all right, Timothy, I want to take you with me as a young man. And Paul later has to remind him, Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth. Kids who are involved in Camp Rock. Let no one despise you for your youth because you can set an example for the believers. Anna talked about that this week in life, in conduct, in speech, in purity. But Timothy had good reason to fear. Some, I bet you he, he kind of maybe echoed that song sometimes, that fearless song that says, where it says, am I good enough? Do I measure up? Man, this feels like a war I can't win. Another reason that Timothy had to fear is because uh, he had seen the trials that the apostle Paul had gone through. Uh, He experienced these things with Paul, beatings, imprisonments, riots. That would scare me. But Paul reminds him about the gift that he was given. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. As the rock track sang again this morning. You know, friends, we have been given that same spirit. That spirit is in all of us. The spirit of power and love and self-control is the same spirit that was in Paul and Timothy. And we've been, we've been given that spirit. We don't ha- necessarily all have the same gifts, but we all have the same spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. And varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So another way that God helps us become fearless is by giving us these spiritual gifts to do what He's called us to do. We don't have to fear. We can operate in His power. And those gifts are given to us when we become Christians, when we get saved. When we're born again. And really that's the foundation of everything that I've said here this morning, that these kids have said here this morning, that Anna talked about this week. It's the gospel. We get those gifts by believing in Christ. And so on Sunday night, Anna started off by talking about Isaac and the gospel. Isaac was Abraham's son, Abraham and Sarah's son, And Abraham and Sarah, for lack of uh, uh, time to explain it, were basically the founders of the Jewish nation, the Jewish faith. And uh, they became the founders because God promised to them to give them a land and to make a nation out of their offspring. One problem, Sarah was barren. She couldn't have babies. And so the whole promise of a nation thing wasn't really working out. But what happened? Abraham trusted God. Abraham trusted God, and he intervened, and he enabled them at a very old age to have Isaac, who is the son of promise, through whom that promise of the nation would be fulfilled. And then, crazy as it seems, God says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice the son of promise. And Abraham said, say, what? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You want me to sacrifice the the son of promise through whom you're going to fulfill your promises? God says, trust me, Abraham, trust me. So Abraham does, and he obeys God, and he takes takes, um, Isaac up on the mountain He puts him on the altar and he lifts the knife to slay his son. And God stops him and says, look over there, there's a ram in the bush. Go take the ram and offer it to me instead. You think Abraham was afraid in those moments? Do you think Isaac was afraid? I mean, Isaac was walking up the mountain with with his dad saying, hey, dad, uh, you said we're going up to sacrifice, right? But where's the animal? Abraham said, what? God will provide it. God's going to provide it, son. They must have been afraid. How did they overcome that fear? How do we overcome our fears? Friends, it's by faith. We've got to trust God. We've got to believe God. We overcome these fears by knowing that He is loving and that He always has a plan. And friends, we've got to understand how this story relates to us. And the way that this story relates to us is because it is a perfect picture of the, of the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, just like Isaac, we deserve to die because of our sin. Romans 6.23 at the beginning says, for the wages of sin is death. So just like Isaac, there is a sentence of death on each one of us. But God had another plan, and that plan was to provide a substitute just like that ram substituted for Isaac, but, uh, but the ram in our story is none other than the sinless, perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ. He became our substitute. He paid the penalty for us. He paid the debt. He went on the altar in our place so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And in doing this, He demonstrated perfect love to us. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you want to know what perfect love does? Perfect love, 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out fear. So. You have fear in your life today? What is it that you're afraid of? Let me tell you that God's plan to help you to overcome those fears starts with Jesus Christ. And you having a personal relationship with Him by believing that He, he came and lived a perfect life and died on a cross in your place, you're the ones who sinned, not Him. I'm the one who sinned, not Him. And when you put your faith in that message, that He he died on the cross and then rose again from the grave on the third day, when you put your faith, when you believe that message, you're saved, you're justified. Your sins are forgiven, and you're put on a path of faithful and fearless living. Have you embraced that message today? If you haven't, we would love to walk you through, the, to walk you through it, to talk to you about it. If you have, I know you're rejoicing in it, because God is casting out fear in your life, day by day. It's not all at once. We still struggle, I still struggle at times, but day by day He's renewing us and casting out our fears because His perfect love is becoming more and more known to us and and real to us.